When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You think about reality shows, of course it's in a different type, you know, format or way that it's shot, but The Wire, for me, was one of the first reality type of shows because so many people around the world, not just in Baltimore City, could identify everything the details of what was going on, whether it was in the streets, whether it was in the educational system, the media, politics. I mean, you know, even me sitting here speaking about this, I know I'm a part of history. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And we are the hosts of The Wire Stripped. That's the podcast you're listening to. It's about HBO's The Wire, and we talk about it. We talk about it week by week, go through each episode, and you don't just hear from our voices, you hear from the voices of the cast, voices of the crew, and voices of the you. That's right, you can um, stay tuned to find out how we can hear your voice on this podcast later on. And if you don't want your voice to be heard, then you can just send us uh, a message <laughs> on social media, at The Wire Stripped, on all the social medias. Yeah, and uh, today's episode is Season 4, Episode 4, Refugees. And I think, let's just head to our chat talking about this that we recorded earlier. Yeah, here, here's, here's us. <laughs> more of us. Hope oh, hey. More of us. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He got the fire and the fury. Hey Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, Kobe. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling. I'm feeling lucky. Just, uh, just feel good. The, the chips are in your favor. They're they're gonna fall in my favor. It's just as just as well we're outside of poker den, ready to uh, yes get some flushes going. We got a great lens <laughs> here to uh, to theme our locations around the episode. We found a poker den. Get some flush. Get some get some three reclines going down. I don't know what that means. Three reclines. Three reclines. <laughs> a few some four pears. leaf clover flush royal flushes. Some pears. <laughs> some split aces. I Not don't know. Not a poker guy. I don't know. I played. <laughs> I played. I played. There was a real fad. Lost a lot of poker money. was a, there was a real fad in the noughties. Remember that? It was because it yeah, became it suddenly became on TV, didn't it? Yeah. So you could watch. I uh, that. You could watch poker. We're outside of poker then waiting for, coincidentally, uh, Mayor Royce and and Marlow to come out. Yeah, two poker games. Yeah. In one episode. Gambling heavy episode. Yeah. This one. I thought that was interesting. I mean, let's just get into it. Yeah. Oh, we're we're here now. We're to talk about this episode. Let's go straight into it. Which 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 poker game do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about the Mayor Royce's one. Sure. Um, so, well, let's talk about the two of them together because they're kind of, they're two, it's interesting that money is, 
this is the money that greases the oils of the city, really, right? Mm. This is the cogs, and yeah. it's and on and it's like effectively, it's all around one game. And I thought it was interesting that it's a game. It's the game, yeah. you know, it's the wire. Nice. But like the these are two very different like audiences, two very different uh, participants, I should say. But they're effectively playing. They're playing the same game. They're playing with the same amounts of money. Yeah. Right. And it's all like it's it's they're they're playing with the lives of people or people in the city right and it's like and 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 it reminds you that so much of what happens in this city and any city is down to just like poker luck and circumstance as well right? well i mean is it luck uh well, well maybe when it comes to marlowe it's luck or lack of ability i know there is some skill to poker i don't have it um but with with the mayor royce table you had the guys like andy Krawcheck losing on purpose weren't they yeah to make sure that should royce win that you know the, ga- the game is rigged the game is Just rigged. like the game helping them helping themselves to rig the game yeah by losing one game they get money from the bigger game hope you're following me here guys um but that's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a game <laughs> that's the idea made a political storyline was, was 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 shocking boo hiss this is bubbles's tormentor played brilliantly by the actor armando cadigan jr you really got to go through hurdles and layers of paperwork and lie scandals to make something happen. You know what I'm saying? So that it, it was also educational. You know what I mean? At the wire, you know how you're growing up and you kind of like trying to figure out what you want to do in life. The wire is one of those shows and say, you know what? I think I want to get into the education system, or you know what? I think I want to get into politics, or you know what? I want to be a motherfucker hustler. I want to be a drug dealer. You know, or you know what? I want to. You don't want to get into the police department because you was able to see the ins and outs. Or you know what? I want to do press and media. I want to get into like reporting and stuff like that. The Wire gave you the ins and outs of all these sectors, all these industries. So you can you you can watch the Wire and be like, I really want to make a difference with press. You know what I'm saying? So when it came to the politics, I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> like, right. It's a lot of lies going on. I ain't trying to get involved in this shit. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is too much. Like, this is some nasty work. This is some nasty business right here, man. You feel me? So, that's what I saw from the... That was my take. But with Marlo's game, um, part of it, for him, I, I don't think he really gives that much of a fuck, but also he'd like to win, but at the same time, he's like, I've got all this money. I don't know really what to do with it. So, if I win more, then that's great. If I lose... Then I'm gonna, you know, take it on someone else. <laughs> what I like about yeah, exactly. You know, you kind of are afraid for those guys if he keeps losing. Yeah. But what? But what? Let's just talk about Marla then, because this whole cold open. You know, we got the poker, and then we'll talk about the the the, the shoplifting and the security guard. But the um, we learn a lot about Marlo from that poker table, mm. right? Because like like you said, it's like he's. It shows he's he's in he's kind of inexperienced at poker. Yeah. Right. Because we we meet Marlo and he's just like Lord of the Streets, right? Cold and, and calculating. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he's like him, and he's still got that cool confidence. But as you said, poker has a skill element, and yeah. he just has doesn't have that yet. No. But it shows he's showing up again and again. Like you get the sense he's coming back to this table again and again. He's probably losing again and again, but he's learning. Yeah. Right. So he's he's training. He's got commitment and dedication, and he's gonna take those guys one day one way or the other yeah right? exactly yeah. that's just dogged determination 
Yeah. yeah. So he might not understand the game, but he'll learn that game quick. And yeah. you just know he'll master it. So that shows you that. And then, we, and then in the shop, we see this kind of brazen, sort of brash side of, of, of him where he's just like flaunt, like shoplifting candy does he even, bars. To, does, he, does he like pick them up, pick up these lollies, like almost wave it in the guy's face? Yeah, he definitely did it to like, piss off. Winking the, a smile and then like, <laughs> and then yeah. walks out. He's flaunting it. He's can't, like, it, it's. It's, it's kind of youthful brazenness, mm. but also he's he's exercising his power over authority, and it's got for me. This was the best line of the of the episode when he says, "You know, to the um, security guy, you know, you want it to be one way, but it ain't like that." Yeah. Or, or you think it's one way, but it's the other. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. You think I dream of coming to work up in this shit on a Sunday morning? Tell all my friends what a good job I got. I'm working to support a family, man. Pretend I ain't talking to you. Pretend like I ain't even on this earth. I know what you are. Now I ain't stepping to, but I am a man. And you just clip that shit and act like you don't even know I'm there. I don't. I'm here. Look, I told you I wasn't stepping to. I ain't disrespecting you, son. You want it to be one way. What? You want it to be one way. Man, I don't you know want it to you... be one Man, way. Man, stop! Stop saying that. What is the other way? <laughs> you take that line and you take uh, Marlowe and you stick him in the Matrix as Morpheus and it would work entirely, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's kind of like the red pill, blue pill. You think it's one way, but it's the other. But it's the other. There's a scene in the in the fourth season. This is Ernest Dickerson, a director on The Wire. Where, um, you know, Marlowe has lost a bunch of money at uh, a poker game. And he goes into a convenience store and he, he pays for water, but he steals two lollipops, making sure that the security guard there sees him do it. And then the security guard comes out and he is like, man, it's Sunday morning. You think I like this job? Why you put me in a position where I gotta come over to you and talk about this? I'm not trying to step to you, but but why are you doing this? You know, I'm a man. Why you gotta do this to me? And he looks at him and he says, "You want this to be one way, but it's the other." <laughs> and then one of his assassins pulls up in in uh, in, uh, in an SUV, and the guy and the security guard backs off, and he's like, "You want it to be one way, but it's another." And 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 that line just kind of resonates over the whole season because, you know, you, you want the schools to be one way, but they're another. A lot of people don't like when I say this, but I think the character in the show, man, was Marlo, man. This is the voice of Nathan Corbett, who played Donut. That scene where you wanted to be one way. You wanted to be one way, but it's the other way. That scene was crazy, man. Marlo just Man, and Marlo was able to make it out, you know, when he realized, man, that shooting toxic is not for me. You know, realized that he knew who and what he was, man. He was the biggest shot in the in the ocean. Well, we go, I mean, let's stick with the poker side Dreamcast. of things for a bit. We have Omar meeting Prop Joe, and Prop Joe says to Omar, by the way, your boy Marlowe is going to be at this game. There's going to be a lot of money on the table. Do you want, I can give you the access code. I can give you the PIN numbers. And Omar's like, yeah, I'll do that. Cheers, dude. He's, Omar is 
suspicious, but not suspicious enough. Because mm. Plot Joe, Prop Joe is, he's Plot Joe. He's plotting <laughs> Joe. He's clearly <laughs> plotting something here. How does Omar not see it? I struggle to understand why Omar went for that. Because that's not Omar's style, unless he just, he needs that new, that new target now that the, now that the Barksdales have gone and hidden away. I don't think he went because it was Marlowe. I think he went probably because he had a hot tip and he scoped it out and there was a lot of money and he just thought, why not? That's kind of the vibe I got. It didn't seem personal or anything. No. It's just like, it's just a job. Well, I, I, I kind of got the impression that he was like, he needed that kind of, that bite to make it worthwhile for him because he didn't seem to, he doesn't seem to need the money, even though, he, you know, he lives in the vacants. Well, you're right because when we see Omar a couple of episodes ago in that cold open, mm. he's bored. Isn't yeah, he? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out so maybe for it's just cereal. It maybe it's just shits and giggles. Um, yeah. But then this what this is what really sparks off the feud between Marlowe and Omar, yeah. which we start to see, or we, we can see where that kind of catalyst from is in this episode. It's going to play out across the next few episodes and and season. Yeah. really exactly. Let's cover off the uh, the politics desk. <laughs> sure. Over to Kobe on the politics <laughs> desk. Kobe, what's the latest on the election? Well, at the moment, uh, everyone's betting on Royce winning and. Why wouldn't they? But also, Carcetti is a bit scrappy, um, and he's having some he's having some core meetings, which is kind of thinking a bit of a waste of my time. But at the same time, you know, I've got nothing to lose here, so let's go. Um, yeah, he's still the scrappy underdog. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he gets a he gets a notion here to talk to the interdenominational ministerial alliance. Nice, as I now know well they're done. called because I looked that up. Although I keep reading it as the interdimensional ministerial Same. alliance. Which, <laughs> yeah, you it's like Doctor Strange kind of thing <laughs> going on here. Should be a, a very different kind <laughs> of alliance. Um, which is this is basically this is uh, Royce's heartland, right? This is um, Odell Watkins and crew, yep. and like this is not. Uh, Carcetti's base not right? at all so this is literally you know a white guy walking into a, a room with like uh, diehard religious black people right yeah. this is kind of how, how that scene turns out but it works out really well in his favour because well you know the, his team say they won't entertain you it's pointless but he uh, he shows good grace I think and well just absolutely if, if he hadn't done it then they would just dismiss him as like yeah another run in the mill guy but at least you show face showed some humility. Yeah. Um, and it was appreciated, even if they probably, even if at that time, Carcetti left, they're probably thinking, I'm still not going to vote for him. But at least he, you know, yeah, he nothing to lose, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that, you know that was good, and um, he gets the thank you on the way out. He gets the thank you on the way out, and on the flip side, you got Odell Watkins, who's a big player, has a lot of um, love, love weights in, in terms of the political side of things certainly in the mayor side of things and he's getting a bit more disgruntled with Royce but that's not known to Royce that's kind of playing under at the moment yeah because we see he's pissed off because he's his protege uh, Marla Daniels has mm. been left off the Royce ticket, Royce ticket yeah and the uh, the more shouty candidate, what's her name? <laughs> Unetta, Unetta Perkins. Yeah, <laughs> she's uh, she's on she's on board instead and Odell is not happy and you get the sense you do not want this man uh, as an enemy. No. You know, they they don't they didn't send me a cast list, nothing. So when I got into wardrobe, um, they started fitting me and they were trying to put me with the other actors. So they had headshots on the wall and I'm like, oh who's that? And they're like, oh that's McNulty. Like that's the dude. And I'm like, oh that's my dude, you know? Uh fantastic. I'll take it, you know. This is the voice of Brandy Burry who played Teresa D'Agostino. And then when I saw Aiden, I was like, Aiden 
wait, how do I know him? And then Queer as Folk came into mind. And I, so this was cool because this is what my friends were watching and what we thought was interesting. Um, so he was, I, I was grateful for him because he was the first person I shot with. The scene where I meet him in the bar was my first scene and very nerve wracking because I, again, I, I, I was like projecting like a theater actor when they said rehearsals up. And I get in and I've never seen anyone, didn't meet the director, didn't meet anyone. Because they, they've been shooting all day. They don't have time to introduce me to people. Um, so I've just tried to say my lines and not mess up. And they say, cut. Okay, we've got to fix some lights. And, you know, actors can go out and take a break. And he said, you know, there's a microphone right above your head. <laughs> and I was like, huh? You know. Um, he said, you don't have to scream. You don't have to shout at me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay. This is how it's going to be. All right. Um, but so he, you know, he, it was joking, but it was also very enlightening. Right. As you all know, we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the wire strip. But we now have another way you can help us out and the Ella Thompson Fund. Yeah. So if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to us um, to get a lot of the same benefits as a Patreon account, but it makes it easier if you want to help contribute to the lovely people at Ella Thompson Fund who, just to remind you, I'm sure we've said a few times this episode already, but they help support underprivileged kids in Baltimore in the way that Cutty did in The Wire. Uh, yeah, so you can get access to our episodes early. You can get access to our full uh, interviews uh, with the cast and crew, uh, including our extended interview with uh, David Simon. No adverts on there as well. And also Basking in the Glory, they help you out a lot of lovely people in Baltimore and the kids there. It's simple. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll up the feed now and there's a button for you to click on and it costs less than the price of a coffee every month to support lots of lovely people. Last episode, the first, last few episodes, we saw Marimo, the uh, the unit killer, I think they're called him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's so he's so good in this because <laughs> yes. you just hate him so much, right? <laughs> the perfect dickhead. Um, so he's dis- basically he's gone. He's pissed off. Kima is pissed off. Freeman. They've um, they've both bounced off to uh, homicide, and the, this is the this warm is, blanket of Rawls's embrace. Rawls embrace yeah. and and free and uh, Landsman. And this is Kima's first day in homicide, and mm. it's, I love it. And as on any first day in the office, uh, she is hazed to <laughs> to high heavens. <laughs> but she gets a, she gets not just one hazing; she gets a series of hazes. She does do, yeah. The old methane pump was it, or um, methane probe? Yeah, methane probe. <laughs> the the uh, that was was that that was, that was the call was about that was, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Proper like Simpsons old school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most tavern yeah, exactly. vibes. <laughs> Um, and then the ha- I really enjoyed the uh, the the note in the the hand of the, the corpse, like know, yeah. just shows you the dark humor of these of yeah, these homicide detectives. Let's type up a note and um, put it in the hands of this dead guy and get Kima to <laughs> <Yeah>. a clue. <laughs> <laughs> but Bunk <laughs> Bunk sells it so well, <laughs> like he does it. His like sarcastic overtone is mm. so funny. Twizzling, twirling his mustache almost. <laughs> So good. The co- like the comedy is just on on point in in this episode. Um, we also get um, we also kind of uh, meet all the characters through uh, Bunk trying to 
hunt down uh, Lex. Yep. Right. Still, still on that case. Um, and McNulty helps them serve a warrant on the home. And Bunk realizes that uh, you know he he's a good detective and he spots that the mother is clearly grieving, grieving yeah. Yeah. right? But still is saying that he's in the wind. So you know he kind of he kind of said kind of says you know you're not telling me everything here, but also threatens her. Like, do you want? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll keep coming to raid. Like, this is why Bunk is good. Like, he's kind of man of the people, but he'll also get the fucking job done, right? He's Absolutely. not afraid to to bust into a lady's house once a week <laughs> until he gets his, until he gets his case closed. Bunk and Freeman banded together to take on his case on Lex, um, but of course that means let's go to the bar, let's have a few drinks. Yeah, and uh, it's like a, he's the McNulty substitute yes, for, for exactly. Freeman, is it? Or for, for Bunk. And uh, Bunk's not happy. Bunk's not happy. He's not, not no. obviously, he enjoys Lester's candor and his, his, um, his company, but he's no, he's no McNulty. He's not his wingman. Yeah, exactly. He's no, it doesn't help him get the ladies. And this is one of my favourite lines, which is maybe a bit too much. <laughs> oh, almost everything that Duncan McNulty and Freeman say is not not cool anymore. Is it not PC. Much? I don't think if it ever was. It's like um, he says, Freeman. Do you know what the, do you know what the plural of pussy is? Pussy. <laughs> it's one is of that, things. That's your alternative epigraph. That's my, that's my alternative. <laughs> that's epigraph. Epigraph. Absolutely. Front of the show. <laughs> pussy. And again, if he's dead, where's that body? You know what the plural of pussy is? Plus I, Jimmy told me that. Where's he putting the bodies, Bob, huh? In the sewers? Road funeral home, maybe? Yeah, they teach that fancy-ass Latin at them Catholic schools. You remember that know. Eddie Crane case? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it was they put him in an acid vat down near Curtis Bay. Oh, oh they're park. coming up on us now. Now, for a West Side boy like Marlo Stanfield, that would be the traditional dumping grounds. Hey, girl. Hey, right? Hey, girl. Right? What? <sighs> Man. Jimmy! Jimmy! Trying to get some of that pussy. But, yeah, there's ladies that Bunk's trying to, trying to um, attract. They just walk past him. Yeah. And he, and he realises who he's with. Uh, basically a detective genius, not, not, not a wingman. Freeman's got his, um, his eye on something else. Absolutely. He's, he's too preoccupied <laughs> with this, this, these missing bodies. Where? The lack of murders. Where, where is my Lex? bodies? But the um, what got me in this scene was when when Freeman kind of says something like to Bunk, like, "Aren't they a little young for you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, didn't you shack up with the stripper exactly, from exactly. season one, man?" I was thinking that. I was thinking <laughs> that she's like half his age. Hot kettle black. Absolutely. Obviously, there's a lot we want to. I think we want to spend a lot more time in the schools in this episode. But let's just a quick trip to the MCU. We talked about Marimo, um, effectively, the reason why Lester and and Kima left. But we see the MCU's it's in a sad state with the yeah. with Sidney and yeah. Caroline Massey shutting down those wires. Yeah, then they look sad. It, well, it is sad. Yeah, Marimo is a, is a proper tool. He's been there to shut the you know close the unit down in that respect. But he doesn't you know he doesn't know what's the power of those wiretaps. Yeah, and it's sad you see Massey and and Sidney closing those you know literally putting the plug on those on those machines which we've seen build out for the past three seasons it's like fuck well imagine like such a dick imagine if you've been working <laughs> on something for so long yeah. and then someone else comes in and uh, you get a new boss and they're like no that, do you know what that's pointless now start this thing over here and you know it's the wrong thing exactly it would be so infuriating whenever you get a new boss and you're like 
do they get it or do they do you have to like no they don't get it do they <laughs> no oh no oh, oh no. not only do they not get it they're not going to listen to me no exactly <laughs> and that's what that's what that's what the dejective dejected walk out of the um mcu is for cinder and, and massey but don't worry because the mcu is about to get <laughs> its hottest <laughs> its hottest alumni back yeah Herc is back. Herc is back with Dozerman, but mainly Herc. Yeah. And he's Dozerman as well. Like the two, <laughs> the two wrong guys <laughs> to be fronting the MCU. Uh, but Herc is pleased as punch. But he thinks he's going back to be with his with his guys. Yeah. Uh, again, does no one talk to anyone else in this thing? Does I no know. One... Well, I'd say no. I'd say it's not. I say no one talks to Herc. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you think they're just ignoring his calls? Like Probably. Freeman gets he's a call. Not in the he loop. gets a call from Herc. Like, I'll call him back later. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. What does this guy want? And Herc's like, oh, I'll catch him. I'll catch him with him on Monday. I like they'll that they'll even Marimo, even Marimo, can read between the lines about what's happening with Herc. Though <laughs> he's like, you know, says here you were driving the mayor for three months, and now you're a sergeant. Yes, yeah, so what's, like, what's huh? going on, mate? <laughs> I was the only officer that never got a gun until uh, Middle Ground, which was December of twenty. Uh, I mean, a refugee. The last episode I was in, and when I came in to my trailer, there was a vest, a gun, because all I ever had was a badge. This is the voice of Joylette Harris. She's the actress that played Caroline Massey. And I said, well, if some real bad guys come in here, what are them to hold up my badge and defend the whole unit? You know, but I was the one that never got the the, the uh, auxiliary props, you know, the Glock and all that, until it was my last day of work. And I still didn't have lines. I didn't have lines. Um, the director, who directed that episode, um, I think it was... It was uh, Jim McKay. McKay, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I picked up my um, my gear, picked up my vest, threw it over my shoulder, picked up my gun, picked up my phone, and he said, Joy, just look over your shoulder and I fuck everybody else in the room. I'm like, what? He said, turn around and do your thing. I fuck everybody in the room. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I go, I'm just rolling my eyes. That was my infamous roll on the wire, rolling my eyes. Kobe, Dave, it's lovely to hear your voices again and I'm really, really loving the fact that you've come back and done season four. I'm just gonna let you know a few of my thoughts about season four of The Wire from the perspective of me, that's Joe. Uh, I'm an educator. I also have a podcast called Right In The Schoolies where I go by my teacher name of Mr. James and I talk to people from all walks of life about their time at school. The scene which will always live long in the memory for me is the the moment where you know they're in the classroom and the president sort of you know throwing his weight around a bit trying to be authoritative you know saying about you know where you know where's where's michael you know oh he's not here right well he's got detention and no no he can't be here you know and, and you say what do you mean he said well he he can't he, he has to walk his brother and in that little moment just there you see a moment flash between the kids and with prayers 
kids have a code with one another, teenagers especially, they understand, you know, that there's a dignity in not talking about the situation that Michael's in with his awful, awful home life. Season four is a masterpiece. I actually think if they'd finished with season four, then the show could well be a masterpiece. Don't get me wrong, I'm not dissing season five. There's plenty of thoughts about that. But season four is a masterpiece. It reaches its zenith, in my opinion, when it gets there. Big thank you for leaving that uh, voicemail on our burner phone. Uh, you can do that too. Uh, all you got to do is type in these numbers into your mobile telephone. Uh, plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. It's that simple. Type in those numbers. That number is on our socials, by the way. You can go there and get it. Uh, and then send us a voice note, uh, 30 seconds or less. Don't forget to leave your name and tell them what we want to, to, to answer the question of. What a brilliant sentence. <laughs> Go for it, Kobe. Uh We wanted to know this week, um, who's your favourite character from season four? And, of course, why? A lot of people don't like when I say this, but... My favourite character in the show, man, was Marlo, man. And if you don't like doing that, then you can send your voice via email technology to burner at thewirestripped.com. And if you guys want to get priority burner access, and that means your voice gets to the front of the queue, then we have a little, it's one of our little perks from our patron, patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. Um, and any money that we raise from there goes to line our pockets. No, no, sorry. Goes to line the pockets <laughs> of the Ella Thompson Fund. Um, who is, which is a charity that supports all underprivileged kids in Baltimore. So we're really big fans of those guys and the work that they're doing. So it doesn't, it doesn't go to our money, into our wallets. It goes to them. It goes to them. And one thing we should say, uh, another perk is, you get the uh, patrons get the get the um, get these episodes ahead of time. So if you're a patron, yeah. you might be able to listen to episode five right now. I get, I also get these episodes ahead of time because um, should you make them recording? Them? <laughs> That's my part. Let's head to the school. Uh, there's a lot that happens here. Um, well, with Bubbles and the school and the kids and oh, and Bunny. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's start with Bubbles and Sherrod. Uh, um, so Bubbles, you know, Bubbles realizes that Sherrod's missing a lot of school, so yeah. he gets his uncle suit back on. I love him in his uncle suit. <laughs> there's, there's so many heartbreaking moments in season four, uh, and Bubbles trying to play play that boy's surrogate dad slash uncle is just one of the most heartbreaking things and he's trying so hard to save him you know yeah um and i don't i get the bubbles has that thing he has to take that, that someone under, under his wing and and Shard is definitely a lot more vulnerable than johnny weeks was at least johnny weeks he yeah. was a full full-grown adult and uh, Sherrod can't count and that's desperately sad. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, Sherrod is another, is like one of the most tragic characters in the whole wire. Um, we'll get to that kind of storyline in a few episodes, but that's, uh, my heart goes out to bubbles, but also I could, I can understand why Sherrod has kind of been left behind by any, everyone else in his life. Well, and, and he's, he will, he has been left behind by the education mm. system as, uh, the assistant principal outlines because, she explicitly says to Bubbles, "He'll be, um, you know, he he'll go back in at the grade, at the grade age. he's at, yeah. right? Because they don't, uh, um, they don't have the resources basically to to te- to 
take him down a grade or two. Yeah, and it's like it's a it's a it's a policy, and mm-hmm. it's a, that's how. And I think it's a lot of how education systems run it. But it's it's again, it's a, something that perhaps needs to be you know examined, and it kind of ties in with what Bunny's trying to do mm-hmm. uh, with the the professor um, to you know try and cater the education system toward the students' needs yeah. rather than this one size fits all approach Absolutely. which we currently have. And you get that other little scene later on with Sherrod and Bubbles where Sherrod kind of tries to get one over on on Bubs and says he's got two, you know, what's were you doing some homework there? And it's like a, yeah. but it's a French book and an algebra book and he says that they work. But you can't con a con artist, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously Bubbles is, is a fantastic con artist. Um, but what's going on here is basically Sherrod can't read and doesn't know the difference between, yeah. fundamentally the difference between a language textbook and a maths te- textbook and doesn't realise that they're completely different subjects so would never be working together. It um, hammers home just how far behind yeah. he is. Like, which is, And it's kind of a catch-22 because even if he does go to school, he's not going to... He's, he, he's kind of too far gone. Mm. Right? The system's left him behind. He won't be able to comprehend anything that's no, been taught. Right? No. That's another, another sad point, unfortunately. <laughs> so sad. Um, also in the schools, a slight touching with Cutty uh, and also how the system works. Cutty gets a temporary job. The deacon comes and visits him says, hey, i got a job for you. You're going to round up the truants uh, and you and Mater Boyd are going to pick up these truants, take them to school for a day and then take them to school for, and that for, for September and then do the same again for October and we get a bunch of money. Yeah, and, and it's just one day. Yeah. yeah. And this episode's filled with these little tidbits, these little insights mm. into the state of the education system and how it's kind of really comes across as half arsed, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, that one day thing is is super futile. I just don't... Again, it's another thing that has, kind of gets me riled up um, in what we're seeing, what's happening in the middle schools and where people can get lost. Because if it's literally just one more day and then the system doesn't care about you anymore, then what chance have these guys well, got? Yeah, what, what use is that? Yeah. And it's like, but they're putting so much effort into it. They've got people driving around in vans. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you may as well. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I've got the answers. No. I don't have the answers. I don't not think the show's given the answers. But what we're seeing is that the policies are failing the kids. The teachers, you get a sense that they are trying or they have, but they're just they're just up well, against it. They they're up against it, but they want to make sure they're not, they've got everything they can do. Because if they lose that budget... Then there's less. They can do less. Yeah. So exactly. Even they, they completely know it's futile, but they just play the you know, the budget game. We'll make sure we get as much money in, so we can do as much as we can with it. If we have less money, then there's less we can do, and that's yeah. that's not helping anyone. And that's what they say to to Bunny. And it's interesting watching Bunny's our audience surrogate here, as we kind of learn the ins and outs of mm. this this system and what you can and can't do. Well, and, and Cutty in this in this specific case with the running of the kids. Um, because he's the one that's actually going and doing the lassoing and putting the kids in the vans. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to play and sweep this under the rug. I'm going to move this body into this jurisdiction so it's not my problem. You know, it's like there are games in the schools. This is Jennifer Wood. She's the editor of Mental Floss. When they send the people out to just like pick up the truant kids, you know, we need them to come in like one day a day a month or something, you know, or whatever it is. It's just sort of like it's it's a sad but totally realistic statement on on America, and it's as true now, and 
I shouldn't say like, if not more so, but almost more, uh, people are more aware of how true the show was, um, to what, to, to what goes on in our lives every day that we just don't pay attention to, or because we don't want to believe it. We don't want to, you know, believe that it happens. And we've been, we've had it thrown in our face now for, you know, for, for so many years, just like so violently and loudly uh, for the past like five years, you know, that, that it's hard to ignore um, that anymore. That's why I hung out with, with Calvin. So it was pretty much Calvin Ford's story. The, the character name is a, a real live, you know, <laughs> a real OG who, and now, now he's out, but he was not to be effed with at all. Dennis Cuddy Wise. This is, of course, the man himself, Chad Coleman, who played Cuddy on The Wire. But the story itself is Calvin Ford, and that's a story of redemption. And Calvin had been involved in one of the biggest drug busts, heroin drug busts, in, in, in uh, the history of Baltimore, East Coast. And um, he did like 16 in federal. And he came out and he, st- and he said, I, I learned to cook. <laughs> you know, uh, legally and, uh, do with a big heart and a, a, a wonderful person. And he made that choice to open that gym and he's changed a lot of lives and he created a champion and someone for the community to be extremely proud of. And it takes a lot of work and the people and you, he's in the trenches every day and he doesn't know what's going to go down. You know, he doesn't know if these kids are going to show up or who he's going to have to go out there and try to find. And that all that was a thousand percent real and um, gaining the trust of these young men. You know, uh, I watched it. I watched it in real time and always had nothing. But I tried to help them him raise money for the gym and stuff like that. Um, just a staple in the community and just a stand up human being. So proud of them. People, don't, I believe in redemption. I believe that we can change given the opportunity and uh, the right circumstances, you can change. And he's a, a shining example of that, an amazing human being. And with Cutty again, going back to him just briefly with the with the boxing, um, he's trying to like groom Michael to be a better boxer. Um, and we start seeing a bit more about Michael's hesitancy to be in the presence of an adult male. Um, yes, yeah. He's very reluctant. Mm. Um, but he kind of comes round a bit with Cuddy, or Cuddy st- he starts to warm up to Cuddy a bit, I think, and he, you know he goes to the the, the fight with uh, Justin, yeah. and you get that. But we get a, a sort of another glimpse into another little glimpse into his home life here, yeah. don't we? Yeah, that's that's what Calvin has been up against too. See, so the guy didn't trust me, right? Because of varying things in his background, and you know, uh, rampant kind of homophobia within our community. Just can call it what it is, and so it, it it creates a real challenge when you just genuinely care about somebody, because they're not used to anybody giving a damn about them. And I'll tell you guys, um, um, Snoop, the real Snoop, she was sitting in the in the in the hair makeup trailer, and she just said it a thousand percent. Yo, I'm not used to white people being nice to me. I was like, wow, that's real. You see, you understand what I'm saying? 
and, and conversely, it ain't even just white. They're not used to people being nice. It's, it's, they think there's an angle or it's suspect or they're trying to get something from them. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough deal to really be able to, to reach someone and help them change their lives. But yes, and that would have, that's, that, Cuddy want to be like Calvin Ford. <laughs> that's right. I'm still working on, the, I'm still working on Chad's fighting chance, which is, and I won't get into it, but it's something I want to do to really honor the, the Calvin Fords of the world who are out there and the kids who are trying to change their lives. So uh, it's, it's a very real deal. And Calvin Ford is a soldier, boots on the ground. And for him to have achieved this, this ultimate goal is it's just unbelievable. I saw it with my own eyes. And so that's that's incredibly exciting and inspiring as well. And he's got more he's got more champions coming for sure. And we and we kind of get a little um insight into the aftermath of the attack in the classroom, in Prez's classroom. Yeah, I mean Prez is freaked out and but the kid, and he thinks the kids are freaked out, but they're not so much they're no, not. they're desensitized. Mm. Yeah, they're 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 gossiping is what they're doing. Yeah, right. They're just treating it as something exciting, and they're talking about her. He tries to have an important conversation with them. It doesn't really go very well. He's also just we we get we finally get to see uh, Valchek's daughter and uh, Press's wife. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is the first time. Yeah, first time. Okay, and the um, and we get the the epigraph of the show, uh, which is. a cracking line as Prez is watching a football game you know no one wins one side just loses more slowly beautiful which is again feels like we've got two sides you know two sides of the poker game feels like it's another game it's winning it's all I'm not my, I'm not able to tie all this together but there's something in there someone more intelligent than me can tweet <laughs> us who's <laughs> winning no one wins one side just loses more slowly why don't we get out of the house? Take a walk. It's a nice day. I got this talk I gotta give to my first period about what happened. An hour. I got. I gotta say something to those kids. I mean. Okay. See? Somebody's winning. I really liked. You know, on the subject of the schools, the um, you know we were saying the policies, the policies aren't up to scratch, but the teachers know these kids really well, and yeah. that it comes across, and they're kind of trying, and we see that with Prez trying hard as a newbie, but a lot of the veterans are just like they're worn out and weary, but they there's a there's still um an an emotional core to them, and the um when Bunny's getting the tour and the um. I think the eighth grade teacher. She she des- is it Grace Sampson. She describes the 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 week, the days of the week. Yes. Uh, which I thought was beautifully written. You know, they come in angry on Monday from the weekend. You know, and then by Wednesday they're they're the furthest away from whatever's at home or on the streets. That's when you get them at their happiest. Mm-hmm. Thursday they're they're feeling that weekend coming, and then Friday it's bad again. And yeah. it's like it's it's the exact opposite of how yeah, yeah. we should we all feel as. You know, we're able to feel in the comfort of our lovely existences, where we look f- work and look forward to the weekend. It's like these that don't look they don't look forward the to the opposite. Weekends. Yeah. yeah, because these kids are have school is a safe haven, whether they realize it or not. Mm. But it, it is. You know, it's it's a break from 
the horrors of their realities, some of their realities. Yeah, and that's school should be the bit you don't like. <laughs> in some way. In a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, your home life, yeah. yeah. If you if you don't have a good home, home life, life, then school is school should be a supplement to that. Yeah. It can't be your it can't be both. I did think look at listening to that quote though, I really want a um a brilliant editor. This is a challenge to all our listeners. Can somebody please cut that together that that quote with Craig David's uh, 7 days? Please somehow. Monday. <laughs> really angry from the w- it's too dark. I'd like someone to try, but try and make it lighthearted as I well. I was feeling bad again on Friday. In major key, maybe, guys. <laughs> Big thanks to everyone who contributed to this episode. We really couldn't do it without you, and this podcast wouldn't be the same without all those lovely voices um, and all the people we're going to name check right now. It's exhaustive, but. It's really important to how the show works. Why don't we do it super fast, like like they do in the terms and conditions at the end of a radio ad? Yeah. So okay. Ready? Let's go. Okay. Big 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 thank big thank you to Sonics, our transcribing service. That's Sonics.ia forward slash invite forward slash strip where you can go and also use the services. At Black Snow Comics, that's at Black Snow Comics. That's uh, Michael Balistreri for all the for the amazing imagery and icons uh, for this season, as well as Izzy Lawrence, Martin and Sam for the Song by Song by, by podcast, who do our brilliant theme music. Producer Obi, who's been great, and we wouldn't have this podcast without him. Lead producer and editor Tom Wally, who is not speeding this up, I swear we're just doing this naturally. <laughs> Socials, join us there, Twitter, Instagram, we are at The Wire Stripped. Or you can go to our Patreon page and you get loads of extra stuff, and it's really amazing over there. We have lots of fun times, patreon.com forward slash The Wire Stripped. Subscribe and review on your favourite podcast app, give us a five star, star, tap. Give us a five star tap right now. Oh, we're <laughs> <laughs> Five star tap. Five star tap. This is why we don't. Th- this is why we don't do things quickly. Um, and join us next week, guys. Uh, episode five of season four, alliances. Five star tap is that. That's it. Now we're just using that from here on out. Five, five give us a five star tap. Believe that. You just heard a stripped media production. <laughs>